0: Everyone, and welcome into another edition of To The Point Podcast. So, we're all doing well on this Monday following a weekend in sports where you know the NFL is alive and well, so to speak, but the rest of the sporting world's really taken a hit. Um, there's the uh, you know, all conversations lead back to COVID, unfortunately. Um, 21 months into this pandemic and i i don't want to start the show talking about covid necessarily because i think it's a really it's a topic that's very divisive again i have my opinions on it I, i have a i think i have a solution for these sports leagues um and you never i don't think you'll hear sportsnet or tsn bring up this idea uh that maybe we'll hear it kudos to them but i this is What I think should happen, I'll talk about that on today's show for all these sports leagues. And, you know, with, you know, some uh, postponements in the NFL, we have two games this evening, two games tomorrow. I won't complain about that because there's hardly any hockey and basketball games continue to fall by the wayside. So as we're approaching Christmas, it's really, you know, it's not a merry time of year right now. It's very doom and gloom in the sports world. But this weekend had a lot of injury, you know, less games than usual because we have two tonight, two tomorrow, and one on Saturday. But I think the top story at this hour is a lot of teams staying alive in the playoff hunt. For me, anyway, it would be the Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Tennessee Titans, the uh, New Orleans Saints. Defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the, the Arizona Cardinals. Detroit's not staying in the playoff mix, but teams have stopped, stayed in there. Cincinnati getting the division lead. So as we approach the final three weeks of the NFL season, it is still very much up in the air who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to win division titles, and the intrigue still remains in its place, but, you know, Cowboys trounce the Giants. No surprise there. Bills crush the Panthers. Okay, no surprise there. That that, that that should happen. Jets nearly beating the Dolphins. I thought the Jets, I in my confidence pool, I had the Jets to win yesterday. They didn't, but I thought they would, because the Dolphins coming off a bye, win streak. But they survive it, they're now seven and seven. They remain in the playoff hunt. But I, I look at the, the Saints Buccaneers game. And you know, the spread was 11 and a half. And in my head, I'm saying, the Saints could cover the spread. But no way in hell did I think the New Orleans Saints would outright win the game not just outright win the game, defeat the reigning Super Bowl champions on the road and not allow a point, but also defeat the reigning Super Bowl champions when the New Orleans Saints offense did not score a single touchdown. That's what happened last night on Sunday Night Football. And it was a game where I don't know if I've seen Tom Brady more frustrated in the last five years. The whole Chicago Bears game last year where he hung up four, you know, four or five fingers. That, that I didn't see him puzzled, as puzzled as he was last night. And this wasn't because of a head injury. This wasn't because of an of a, a injury to himself. Now, during the game, he lost Chris Godwin. He lost Mike Evans. He lost Leonard Fournette. But in the first half, Tom Brady put up zero points. So pointing to the wide receivers last night, the Tom Brady super fans will do that. The realists, like myself, will say he got outplayed. And I look at the game and I say, wow. And there's the alarm bells about the Bucs. I'm not as concerned about them. But what I will say is I'm I'm really starting to think and I'm trying to ponder – Was there a blueprint to defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, in particular, that Buccaneers offense last night? Or does do the Saints just have a bunch of ballers? And the answer to that is a little bit of both. And you look at that Saints defense. Demario Davis is a pro bowler. You could argue an all pro. Cam Jordan has made the six consecutive pro bowls. The way he's playing, he's played over his career. You could make an argument he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to Canton. You, you got C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who just shows up every week and makes plays in the back end. Marshawn Lattimore, who is a great cornerback, rarely gets talked about because he was the pick after Patrick Mahomes, but he's a great uh, slot corner. Marcus Williams, as, as the safety, since that disastrous Minnesota Miracle play, he's made pro Bowls. He's an elite player. Marcus Davenport, another first-round pick that's hit For the New Orleans Saints. But you saw last night, why did they win the game? Well, something I pointed out about the Bucs for a number of weeks is they don't run the ball. And, you know, I, I think BA, Bruce Arians, and Tom Brady, and they feel confident that they can throw the ball 45 to 50 times a game and win. And to their credit, they have. Most times this year. They're 10 and 4. It's a very good record. However, there have been games where they don't run the football and they lose, including to the Saints in week seven. So to me, that that that's one of the biggest issues I have with this team. I their defense hasn't been as good as it as it was last year. But we've seen signs of it starting to come around. Levante David the middle linebacker, had a phenomenal game last night. And I can make the argument, if if Cam Jordan wasn't playing this week, Levante David would be NFC Defensive Player of the Week. He was that good. You know, Shaq Barrett started to shine a little bit. I mean, they allowed nine points last night. That's three field goals. Did not allow a touchdown in the game. They played a solid game against the Bills, in particular, in the first half. But – so the Bucks have their weaknesses. Leonard Fournette's a good back, but this offensive line, I think it's sometimes just about practice reps. It's about walkthrough. And I look at it and say, when are they practicing the run? Because it is not in their game plan to run the football. But I look at teams they could possibly play well. The Green Bay Packers didn't have a great day great day defensively yesterday. And I'll talk about them in a minute. But they're still without Jair Alexander, their best corner. They're still without Cedarius Smith, their best pass rusher. Their offensive line is battered. So they're not exactly at full strength, if that's the argument. But they do have good players on that defense. That could potentially cause them some problems. I don't think it's as good as New Orleans. But New Orleans doesn't have number 12 at quarterback either. And I'm not talking about Tom Brady in this instance. Then I go to a team like the Dallas Cowboys. And Dallas is kind of the polar opposite of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that, (laughs) excuse me, Dallas has a defense that I consider elite to very good. They have special players. Micah Parsons. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Trayvon Diggs, these guys make big plays. And like the Saints, I just pointed out three to four names. You need those guys that jump off the page, that make big plays in big games. Well, we've seen that from these Cowboys all year long. And contrasting them to the Bucs, who have a great offense week after, you know, week after week, excluding last night, the Cowboys' offense. Since since Dak's calf injury, since that new, uh, new England game where they walked it off, it has been very pedestrian. They're averaging 22 points a game. That's not good. Dak Prescott looks out of sorts. He's missing wide open throws. He looks a little timid in the pocket. Their running game is not as dynamic as it once was. I'm looking at a guy like Tyron Smith, the left tackle, who is going to go to Cooperstown, but he's getting beat by pass rushers. He's getting holding calls. That was foreign. He was the best left, left tackle in football forever, but he's had a ton of neck injuries. He's had multiple surgeries and he's starting to get a little beat up. Zach Martin isn't playing as good as he once did. So the Cowboys, although they have elite talent at the wide receiver position with Amari Cooper, with Michael Gallup, with CB Lamb, they struggled to put it all together. So I think the, the Cowboys could be a dangerous matchup for the Buccaneers because they make they have guys that make plays. The, Saint, the Saints knew Tampa Bay was going to drop back and pass up um, and throw the ball last night. So what what did they do? We got Cam Jordan, we got Ominata, we got Marcus Davenport. We're going to beat you. What did they do? Three sacks, four sacks on Tom Brady, three by Cam Jordan and a force fumble. He didn't have time. And when he did, when he did have time, they locked people up. I don't like the Cowboys um, defense as much when it comes to their safeties and the back end of their defense, but that front four can rival new Orleans when it comes to production, when it comes to winning the pass block win rate, section of the game so that could be a troubling matchup the rams when the rams put it together with guys like aaron donald leonard floyd vaughn miller this team can beat anybody literally anybody with that defense and with the offense clicking the rams have already beaten the bucks this year now the rams haven't had as much success in the playoffs as as a guy like tom brady But it's about the style. How do you match up against this team? That could get interesting down the stretch here. But I I, I still trust in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady had a bad game last night. He threw a temper tantrum when he threw the iPad because he couldn't complete a pass. He only threw for 212 yards and he threw an interception. He stunk it up, just be honest. Doesn't change the fact that he's the greatest quarterback ever. Well, I think Joe Montana is, but he's right up there. Doesn't change the fact that he he's on a really good team. That in my I said they'll win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to back off it because they lost to New Orleans last night. That's not the way I roll here. One thing I do think that it changed, however, and yeah, you know, this is not a topic I love to get into. But we're, we got three weeks left following, you know, Tuesday's games. So it's appropriate to talk about the MVP. And to me, going into last night, Tom Brady was the favorite. Tom Brady was the, you know, the 44 year old who, you know, everybody's doubted. Max Kellerman of of the mothership said he's going to fall off a cliff. And he's in Tampa, and they're throwing the ball a ton, maybe the stat pad. Who knows? He's breaking every record. Well, if you look at this week for Tom Brady, it was bad. He's had had some bad games this year. He's had some stinkers. I mean, no touchdown. He got skunked last night. Skunked at home. Yikes. Well, who had a good week this week? Well... Aaron Rodgers had a pretty decent week. Now, I don't think that team particularly played that well. And, you know, he he could have some throws that I'd want back, to be honest with you, But did they win their game? Yeah. Are they first in the NFC? Yeah. And yesterday he goes for 268. Three touchdowns. Three touchdown passes for Aaron Rodgers. Three different receivers. He had a pretty good day. Pretty good day for Aaron Rodgers, so he's right up there. Even though, like I said to Adam this uh, on Saturday, I don't think he'll be awarded. You know, he'll win the award because of the whole COVID situation. And whether people agree with that or not, I'm not saying I agree with it or I don't. I'm just saying that's how I think voters will approach it. To me, the MVP right now is Jonathan Taylor, and. Do I think Jonathan Taylor is going to win it? No, because he's a running back. And it's stupid because to me, Jonathan Taylor is as important to the Indianapolis Colts as Tom Brady is to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's just as important because if it's just a run of the mill running back, if it's Leonard Fournette in Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts are not making playoffs. They need to run the football. Carson Wentz throwing the ball 40 times a game is a recipe for failure. However, with the roster, the way it is, with a solid defense with a future Hall of Famer and Darius Leonard and a stud in DeForest Buckner who just wrecks defenses and a really good offensive line well, you have all the pieces around you, Michael Pittman Jr., T.Y. Hilton. You got Jack Doyle. You got a good team. But if Carson Wentz threw 40 times a game, they wouldn't win. We saw him do it against the Bucs. What happened in that game? They lost. So you look at Saturday's game, Colts hosting the Patriots. Jonathan Taylor ran 29 times for a buck 70 and one touchdown. Get a 67. 67- yard touchdown, uh, with, um, two minutes and 12 seconds left, but that's how they won this game. Carson Wentz threw the ball 12 times in a dome. This was not Mac Jones in Buffalo where it had wind out the wazoo. He went five for 12, 57 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And that interception put New England back in the game and they were down three late. They're down three late. When the game was 20 to nothing, it should have been over. But Matt Jones made a few plays, even though he stunk it up on, um, on Saturday night, he threw a couple of touchdown passes to Hunter Henry. He made, um, they didn't run the ball effectively at all. They only ran the ball uh, 18 times, which is a recipe for disaster for new England. Did they get down that much? And I've said this, I said this Saturday, I, The Colts, to me, are a real – they can be a problem for teams because they have the ingredients. Is their quarterback elite? No. But they're like the Patriots. The Patriots have a a rookie quarterback who doesn't have a noodle arm, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He does the basic things. He can find the open receiver. But is he going to change your – to me, if you're down more than 10 points, you're not going to win the game with Mac Jones. If you're down more than 10 points, you're not going to win the game with Carson Wentz. So they're very similar. They both have good running backs. Jermondre Stevenson, Damian Harris are good backs. Solid tight end play with Jack Doyle and Mo'Ally Cox. You got Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith in New England. Receivers aren't elite, but they're good. Pittman Jr., Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. So there's similar teams, and I found it interesting. Indianapolis gets the win. They're now eight and six. And I think they can make it interesting in the playoffs because I believe they're, you know, they have the Cardinals this week who lost to the Detroit Lions. That should just be outlawed for them. You should you should have to really like pay a toll or something to lose to them at this point of the season. But they go to Arizona. You can beat Arizona. Um, it's, it's not a gimme, but I think they can win that game. Then the Colts host the Raiders. The Raiders are they're playing this evening, but they're a mess, and they finish with the Jaguars. To me, the Colts are going to make the playoffs in the AFC. Right now, they're the fifth seed, tied with the Chargers and the Buffalo Bills. You also have Baltimore at eight and six. So a lot of teams are still in the hunt there. But I like Indy's schedule. If you look at Buffalo. They have New England this weekend, Baltimore goes to Cincinnati. So it's not easy for any of these teams, but I like their path a little bit more. But if John, to me, Jonathan Taylor is the MVP because he hasn't really had a bad week. He's leading the NFL in rushing by more than 500 yards. He's a touchdown machine. It's not just, you know, he's a speed guy, but he can also run you over. And without Derrick Henry, he's clearly the best back in football. They're in the same division, oddly enough. But I look at New England. They were coming off a bye, as were the Colts, but they had 18 yards of offense in the first quarter. They gave up three points, but then they had a block punt for a touchdown. That never happens to New England, especially off a bye. You think you'd be tuned, you'd be ready to go And this was one point where I look at a Bill Belichick team where Frank Reich's team was ready to play from the jump. They're up 10-0 at the end of the first quarter. They're up 20-0 by halftime. The game's over. They cut it to three because Carson Wentz really wanted New England to get back in the game, wanted them to win it. But Jonathan Taylor shut the proverbial storybook with that 67-yard touchdown drive. But, again, I think the Colts can be a factor. In the playoffs, I like their defense. I like their running game. I think they're the best running back in football. And with Tennessee losing to the Steelers, you know, they lost both games this year. So it's unlikely that they'll get back in the divisional race. But, you know, they're only a game back. They need Tennessee to lose twice down the stretch. With Tennessee, you'll see what they have. They have the 49ers at home on Thursday. It's no gimme. 49ers are playing really, really well. Uh, then the Titans host the Dolphins, who knows, and they finish with the Houston Texans. So it's not a, it's a most difficult schedule, but it's also not a gimme schedule for a team that's not exactly look like world beaters this season in in the um, in the Tennessee Titans. So Steve and But I think Jonathan Taylor, I think the Naples Colts can be a factor come playoff time. Now I forgot to mention this off the top. This is some breaking news today, and just just before we went live. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost in the game last night. They lost Mike Evans in the second quarter. They lost Chris Godwin in the second quarter, and they lost Leonard Fournette in the third quarter. And they all left the game; did not return. It was said last night that it was said earlier today that Chris Godwin was going to miss the rest of the regular season with a and with a mcl injury well it was just we just found out that it was not an mcl injury and it's worse than they actually think he tore his acl so chris godwin the leading receiver for the tampa buccaneers i think tom brady's most reliable receiver is out for the remainder of the season he had 98 receptions on the year fantastic he had a thousand. He had 1103 receiving yards, which is fifth in the NFL, behind only Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup. So, pretty elite group there. Um, and just a tough blow. Mike Evans should be okay. They say uh, Leonard Fournette will be back, but losing him for the season is a big blow because now you look at you look at it. Okay, they got Mike Evans. Hopefully he's healthy. He's he's an elite guy. He's more of an end zone guy for Brady. He's not exactly, you know, down in, down out that he throws it to him, but he's great. He's a you know, he's a pro bowler. Gronk had a had a rough night last night. You know, he dropped about three passes, but normally he's sure handed, he'll bounce back, you know he will. But you look, okay, after that, well, Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller is a deep threat. He's in for a couple plays a game. He's not, you can't have him out there every play. Darden's a special teamer, same type of player as Scotty Miller. Tyler Johnson, I don't see a connection there. So we got to hope for, for, for the box, I think, is that Rashad Perriman, who had the game-winning play against the Bills, can come back off the COVID list and play and play some meaningful football for you, make some plays. Because I look around the lineup and I don't see a guy that Tom Brady's going to trust more than he trusts Rashad Perriman at this point which is strange to say, because Perriman's been on Baltimore. He's been on Detroit. He's bounced around. He was on New England briefly. He's played on a lot of different teams, but it looks like Brady has a little bit of a connection with him, and that might be the ticket for, for Tampa Bay to have some long-term success because Chris Godwin's going, going out is a big blow, but it's something they can manage. You know, I think, I think they can manage it. Antonio Brown is coming back after being suspended for lying about his vaccination status. So we'll see where that goes, but I do think that Tampa Bay will be okay when it comes to their, you know, when it comes to their pass game and receiving targets. Um, the NFC, I mentioned the Packers uh, off the top. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, another pretty solid game for him. Um, you know, just, you know, finding guys open. You know, but the Baltimore did make it tough late. You know, they 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 made some good plays, and really the bigger story from that game was not – how it ended because I agreed with the play. We'll go over that in a minute. But the bigger deal to me was the fact that Tyler Huntley, who was making his second career NFL start, looked a lot better in that Baltimore offense than Lamar Jackson has since about week four. And if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson. He's a guy that is a run pass option. He's a dual threat. He's electric when he has the football. But Tyler Huntley, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he is very similar. And it's a smart way to run a team if you're Baltimore. You don't have a quarterback like Joe Flacco behind Lamar Jackson. So if there's an injury that your substitution is just uh, he's standing around, you want to have somebody that has a similar skill set so that he can jump into the offense and you don't really miss a beat. Well, I think we saw that yesterday from Tyler Huntley. The kid's making a second career start. You're, you're in the game, you're in the game and you look at the start know I mean, they had a seven minute drive to start, you know, Mark Andrews had a 38 yard reception. He continues to play like an all pro, but they get, they get to four, they go on fourth and goal on the first drive and they miss, but then, you know, they, they get a stop and Aaron Rogers three and out. He missed a deep ball to Devonte Adams and they, he leads another good drive, and he finds Mark Andrews at the back of the end zone. I mean Mark Andrews is playing at a pro Bowl level. He's been the best tight end in the AFC by far. I think he'll be the all pro and not Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's just started to come on now. But you know then you have Aaron Rodgers come on, of course. he's finding guys you know making some passes, you know. I mean, just you see guys coming from, him, but he knows he needs to get the ball and that just that split second he does it. You know finds a tight end down the rail making some solid reads. I mean, that, That's just Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best to ever do it. But what do we see in, in the fourth quarter? You saw him make some really smart decisions. You saw Tyler Huntley lead a long drive over seven minutes. Then Baltimore gets a three and out on a big sack by Azubiki. And Huntley ends up running in a touchdown with about 30, 39 seconds left. So you know they and with the, with 39 seconds left they have one timeout left they're de- if they kick if they kick the the extra point they tie it at 31 and but John Harbaugh like he did 2 weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers says you know what we're going to play to win the game here we're not going to play not to lose we're going to play to win and he says we're going for two even with not Lamar Jackson it's Tyler Huntley this time and they run a similar play where Last time, Mark Andrews was lined up in the the fullback position. They had Latavius Murray in the backfield, or Devontae Freeman in the backfield, Mark Andrews uh, right uh, off to his right. This time, Mark Andrews was Eric Stokes versus Mark Andrews on the outside, one-on-one. And Tyler Huntley, he didn't make a lot of mistakes yesterday. This was one of them. Andrews ran a good route. Eric Stokes played it very well defensively, the first round corner out of Georgia. But Huntley just threw it behind Andrews and went through the arms of Stoke. Should have been an interception, but it didn't matter. That was an incompletion. They couldn't recover the onside kick, and the Packers end up sneaking away with a 31-30 victory on the road. But, you know, Brandon Staley got criticized Thursday night for going for it too often on fourth down. And John Harbaugh, you know, you're going to hear it, that he made the wrong decision going for it on fourth and goal in the first four. He made a mistake going for the two-point conversion yesterday. But all I know is in overtime, if the Green Bay wins that toss, they're winning the game. Aaron Rodgers is driving that ball down the field. He'll, He'll throw it to Devontae Adams every time. And I trust him to win that game. And I think John Harbaugh said, okay, I'm not playing against Carson once here. I'm not going up against Joe Flacco as the opposing quarterback. I got Aaron Rodgers, who tied Brett Favre in the game with his 442nd passing touchdown as a Packer, which ties the all-time record. You know, I'm playing against this guy. We shouldn't be in this game. We don't have any corners. Marcus Peters, you know, I got to play Averitt over here. Marcus Peters is out. My old pro, Marlon Humphrey, is out. lj Ford, Chuck Clark's on the COVID list. We have no secondary, but yet we're down by a point with 29 seconds remaining. Let's win this bleeping ball game. And I will never criticize a coach for playing to win and playing not to lose. Now, of course, hindsight's 2020, but I agree with the decision, and it didn't work twice this year. You could make the argument maybe change up the play call, but two. Greg Roman's defense to John Harbaugh's defense. Who does Baltimore have as a receiver that you trust to make that catch? Other than Mark Andrews, I trust no one on that team. Hollywood Brown's an electric player. But in those big moments, in those touchdown grabs, he has chicken for hands. He's went to Dixie Lee before the game. He is lathered in sauce, and he is not catching that ball. Rashad Bateman's a rookie He doesn't have connection with either guy. You throw it to a running back, you have two old running backs that are not going to break a tackle on that play. It's Mark Andrews. It's Mark Andrews or Bust. And the play could have worked. It was just, it was a poorly thrown ball. This wasn't, it was just Tyler Huntley had a great game and he made a mistake there. I mean, you look at him, he went 28 for 40, 215 passing, two touchdowns. He also ran the ball 13 times for 73 yards, two rushing touchdowns. He had an awesome day, but he went up against a better team and a better quarterback. And you you could definitely make the argument, he makes a better throw, he beats the better quarterback and he beats the better team in spectacular fashion. But me and Adam talked about this. The AFC North is a complete, it's not a shit show, but it's a complete mind fuck because Baltimore's battered to hell. And they're out of a playoff spot right now at the loss yesterday. They're behind Indy. They're behind the Bills. They're behind the Chargers. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because they got Cincinnati left. They got the Steelers. And I believe they got the Rams. That's not a good, that's not an easy schedule. And Lamar Jackson is not healthy, so that that that's not easy. That's not an easy schedule for that team moving forward. Um, but then you get Cincinnati. They go into Denver and win yesterday. Well, yeah, they win in Denver. But Denver, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. But Teddy Bridgewater's played poorly for weeks. In comes Drew Locke. And Drew Locke did Drew Locke things on a fourth down with with nine seconds left. He threw the ball 30 feet out of bounds. I don't know who he was aiming for, the mascot or a cute cheerleader. Clearly wasn't looking for Jerry Judy down the rope. Jerry Judy, a first-round pick wide receiver who didn't have a catch yesterday. Poor Jerry Judy. He was so good at Alabama. I still think he's pretty good. But he hasn't had a fucking quarterback since he got to the NFL. Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, Teddy Bridgewater. Come on, man. But Cincinnati, yeah, okay, you, you win 15 to 10. And I really like Joe Burrow, but that's it. Their offensive line stinks still. Joe Burrow's been sacked the most times in the NFL. 48. He also got sacked the most times in the NFL last year prior to his injury where he, where he tore his ACL, MCL, and LCL. They still haven't upgraded that. They might win this division with the worst offensive line of any team that makes the playoffs by a quarter mile. You look, they got the same record as the Chargers. The Chargers have Rashawn Slater, who is a rookie, but he might win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He might make a Pro Bowl as a rookie. They have he has Corey Lindsley in front of him, who's the, who's the pro bowler. That's what he's that's what he's got to deal with. Joe Burrow's got nobody, he's got no help at that offensive line. But Cincinnati wins. And the crazy thing, and I said this Saturday, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers beat the Titans. And they did. The Steelers just stayed. You know, boom you know, the witch should be dead in Pittsburgh his team shouldn't be winning. Big Ben played terrible yesterday. his offensive line is terrible They don't block nothing They're incompetent they can't they can't protect Ben and they can't block to run the football. that means you're just you stink you stink, but how did they win this game? You might ask, and boy, what a game this was. So nine 16 left at this point. The Steelers had six points off two Tennessee fumbles. So six points, but then you got 916 left. Alex Accora for a pass at the line of scrimmage, intercepted by Joe Sherbert. That leads to three points. So that's nine points off turnovers for the game. But they're not scoring touchdowns, but they are still getting points. So they that the three-point drive. The next play, poor handoff between Tannehill and Devontae Foreman. Balls on the ground, fumble. Recovered by Pittsburgh. Which leads to another three points. That's 12 points off turnovers. But no touchdowns. None. Four tu- four turnovers in the game. Only leads to 12 points. That's a really good defense from Tennessee. Which they do have. And also... Pittsburgh on offense is two for 11 on third down. Two for 11. But all that being said, Tennessee is completely screwing themselves. And yet we're in the fourth quarter of the game. It's a couple minutes left, I might add. They're still only down by six. They could go on a touchdown drive and win the game. But credit to the Steelers defense; they come up with four turnovers. Minka Fitzpatrick had a big game. Uh, Munette, who just got inserted because of code protocols, balled out. And on a fourth down, fourth and seven, throws the ball to Westbrook. Uh, Ike Mean or Ikeen, Joe Hayden makes a great tackle, stuffs him a yard short of the four of the first down. That's the ball game. The Steelers had no business winning this game. Offensively, it was as inept of a performance as I've seen. Just just to put this into perspective, the Steelers' offense looks pathetic. Detroit's offense yesterday looked unbelievable. Jared Goff looked like Big Ben in his prime. But yet, Detroit's got two wins. The Steelers have seven. And I think you make the argument, Detroit's got a way better offense. They got more – they got a better quarter. They got better – they got a better uh, – the Steelers somehow win the game. So the NFC North, who's going to win? I don't know. I really don't. I don't think Baltimore's making the playoffs. Went through their schedule earlier. It's tough. Cincinnati – They finished with Pittsburgh, and they got the Rams in between. I could see them losing all three games. Cincinnati needs to have a game offensively where they look good, but I could see them, Baltimore, losing their last three games, no matter who's at quarterback to finish this season. You go to Cincinnati. They play Baltimore this week. They don't have an easy schedule either, but we're going to go through it. Cincinnati plays Baltimore. Then they host the Chiefs. That's a tough matchup. The second to last week of the season, they finish at the Browns. They got blown out against the Browns earlier this season. The Steelers, they go to Kansas City next week. Yikes! Then the Steelers go uh, host the Browns in the final Monday Night Football game of the year. So no gimme, and they finish against the, uh, the at the Ravens. So they don't have an easy, it's all tough, tough sledding. And then there's the X factor, the team playing today, the Cleveland Brownies. Well, the and this is where we got to get into the COVID conversation. So the NFL came out Friday and said, you know, the Cleveland Browns got way too many players on COVID protocol and we can't have the game. We can't have the Eagles, um, Washington football team game, we can't have Rams, Seahawks. Okay. And the reasoning is, there's too many players on the COVID list. Maybe by the time we get to these games, players will be eligible to come off. Totally fair. Sure. Yeah. Totally fair. I'm being a little facetious here. But yeah, makes sense. Sure. I'm okay with the game coming up in about 55 minutes time. I'll watch it. Six o'clock. What else am I going to watch? The news? <laughs> Fuck no. So, but with that logic, they're saying, well, people will come off the COVID list. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have some players. Baker Mayfield, Jr., the third, will be playing, right? Well, we've gotten to Monday. Yeah, it is Monday. It's still Monday. Yeah, it's still Monday. Yeah. Well, we're here Monday, December 20th. Baker Mayfield. Case Keenum, number one and two quarterbacks on the depth chart, still are on the COVID list. They can't play tonight. So the logic behind pushing this game, the fact that the NFL would never admit this, but we don't want to see Nick Mullins, the former quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. We don't want to see Nick Mullins play on NFL Network on a Saturday against Derek Carr. We want to see Baker Mayhill or even Case Keenan. We want to see some defensive guys like Grant Delpit who are out. Well, they had one player come off the COVID list. today, John Johnson the third, Good safety. That's it. That's it. They pushed the game to Monday. And guys, and I credit K.J. Wright who had the balls to go on Twitter and bitch about them changing the game, which he had every right to, by the way, he complained about it. And he said, if this was us, there's no way the NFL would do this. And I actually agree with him because the Cleveland Browns get clicks. The Cleveland Browns get hype. And the Cleveland Browns playing on a solo stage before Monday Night Football where tonight's Monday Night Football game is Vikings-Bears. That's going to be the talk of the town tomorrow. Unchos like Get Up, First Take, Undisputed. What are they going to talk about? The Cleveland Brownies. But now there's no Baker. And this is where the rubber meets the road. And this is what has to happen for every pro sports league. And for the people that are, you know, you when you get COVID, you got to sit down for 14 days, this is probably a good time for you to sign off because you're not going to like what I have to say. But I'm going to say it. Because I believe it's just the truth. And I'll start off by saying. I'm not. A physician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Although I don't think I'm stupid. But. We are almost two years. Into this pandemic. We have gone through quarantines. We've gone through shutdowns. We've gone through bubbles. All this different. Whatever you want to call it. And. What we've learned is that, yes, it's serious, but at the same time, you've got to move on with life. And people are going to get COVID, like athletes are going to get, we've seen it all all sports. But to me, there's one solution to this problem. And here here it is for me. Any player who tests positive for COVID-19, but is asymptomatic, or has mild symptoms and has a booster shot and has his two needles in the arm, his two jabs, should be eligible to play. This is, how you, this is how you keep your lead going. The health and safety people can bitch and complain about this, but this is how we have to move forward. The show must go on. And let's just get down to breath. This is about money. But it's also about entertainment. Canceling games pisses me off because what do I do? I come in here and talk about sports. What do I do every night? I watch sport. That's my life. Again, it sounds kind of pathetic, but that's that's what I do. And I, you can't just keep canceling games. You can't have players that should be able to play because they're not sick, but because some bleeping test says that they are COVID positive. Like just to me, it's really simple. Okay. You want to make it a mandate, go get your, your booster. Great. And if you get it, we've been told forever, go get your vaccines, go get now your booster and you're going to get rewarded for it. Well, people that are, are not because, you know, I was, I was told this the other day and I was corrected and I was glad I was, but my parents saying they never said, if you got your vaccine, you never get COVID fair enough. That was wrong. on my part, when I was talking uh, to them and having a, a great conversation about it because they are more old school and they are more timid than me. Cause I, I'm a reckless person. I'll fully admit that. But at the same time, if you get your vaccines, if you get your booster shot, and you and you get COVID and you have the same restrictions, if you have the same rules as the person that didn't, then what's the point of getting the vaccine in the first place? What's the point of getting the booster shot? And I'm sure that the counterpoint to that would be, well, you're not gonna die. Well, okay, but I'm healthy. I work out. Like. To me, that's not the most prudent point that somebody can throw back at me because that, that's going to, that's in one ear, that's half the way down the, that's half a mile down the road. If we're, if you're going to do what the government says and do what doctors have said, people should be rewarded for that. And if you're going to shut down cities like New Brunswick might be shut down, you look at Ontario right now. People should be rewarded and at least if you can't go to a bar, which I think is or go to eat, which is ridiculous if you have the two shots and a booster, at least at least allow them to watch sports on television. And you can't do that right now. And athletes are gonna get preferential treatment. I'm not gonna stop I don't care. like I, I can sit home and watch sports for for multiple weeks and with with a shutdown. that won't that won't kill me as long as I have something on, if there's a shutdown and there's nothing again, that was, that was one of the worst times of my life. It's so simple. Baker Mayfield should be starting tonight's game. He's got his booster and he's got his, he's got two vaccines. Because he didn't pass his PCR test or whatever the bleep it is. Eventually we just have to move forward. And me, that's just how simple it is to me. This is not two years ago. People that aren't going to get vaccinated they just aren't. And if they if something bad happens to them, well, that's their choice. You get in a vehicle with a drunk driver, well, you're taking your life into your own hands. But when it comes to COVID, when it comes to how we move forward as a society. Athletes in every sport, like hockey, it's like it's a death right now because players have it. Well, to me, it's quite simple. Go get go get your booster shot and you can play games tomorrow. It shouldn't be these shutdowns and game after game is canceled. I mean, you look at this week. Let's go through this because it's honestly staggering. Tonight, there's one game in the NHL, Wild Stars. Blue Jackets, Sabres, postponed. Canadians, Islanders, postponed. Avalanche, Red Wings, postponed. D- Ducks, Oilers. Yeah, that's just tonight. Tomorrow, three games. The R- Hurricanes, Bruins, postponed. S- Blue Senators. Devils, Penguins. Jets, Preds. Panthers, Blackhawks. Ducks, Flames. Canuck, Sharks. I won't go through the whole week because I don't want to bore you with these really sad details. But do you think just these tests are going to stop? And honestly, yeah, I'm sure the NHL, because they're probably not going to take my advice, the, if they're not going to take my advice and do what I'm pitching, the best thing they can hope for is that every player gets it between now and Christmas. And that might sound really morbid, but it's the truth, because these athletes are not going to die from it. And they can, they can hope every player gets it so that it's in their system, this Omicron, they, they get it, and then there's no problems down the stretch. That's the two options. But is every player going to get it? I haven't heard Connor McDavid has it yet. Sidney Crosby gonna get it. Is Obi gonna get it? Because maybe they'll get it down the stretch. There needs to be new rules put in place. And living in fear, living timidly. I always talk about John Harbaugh, but these coaches that I like. You play to win. You play not to, I, as, as a society, as government officials, I think government officials have been playing not to lose too damn much over the last two years. At first, okay, let's protect each other. But are we going to shut down? Are we doing this? Are we, are we going we have, we got one foot in, one foot out of the door. That's the worst place you can be. Make a decision and live with it. But for for the NHL, for the NBA, I mean, you look at the NBA, they have to be panicking right now. Because on Saturday, it's Christmas. The biggest day on the NBA calendar, and this is not, it's not even close the second, it's Christmas. They have five games that day. And they're huge. They do great ratings. They're on TNT and ABC slash the mothership. And it's, it's a, you got Nets, Lakers at, at nine o'clock Atlantic time, Saturday. Right now, Kevin Durant, James Harden are in COVID protocol. They would not be eligible to play. Brooklyn's game last night was postponed. Brooklyn's game Tuesday was postponed. So maybe guys come off the COVID list by then. What if it's not Kevin Durant? What if it's not James Harden? And you see Patty Mills out there with, you know, uh, I can't even name who, uh, Dante Benbury and uh, Nicholas Claxton for Brooklyn against LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony. Imagine that is the primetime game for the NBA slot. We're starting to see it go through the Warriors locker room. They're playing the Suns on Christmas. Andrew Wiggins is in COVID protocol. Don't think Steph Curry might not get it between now and then? Excuse me, the Atlanta Hawks game. They got postponed last night. They're scheduled to play on Christmas at the Garden against the Knicks. It's just it's a trickle-down effect where it's just a disaster. And to make matters worse for a team like the Browns tonight, you got this game that's going to be really tough against the Raiders with Nick Mullins. I do think they can win it. Long odds, though. And then you have to go play Saturday. So even a shorter week in Green Bay. It wasn't going to be easy anyway. Saturday to Saturday. But you play on a Monday now. You didn't get your players off the COVID list. And then you go to Green Bay, Wisconsin in the frozen tundra. This doesn't seem fair. We want to talk about fairness? We want to talk about, we're going to push the game back for the integrity of it. Okay. Okay. That's what you want to tell me. Sure. But this is going to keep happening. And there's going to be shutdowns. And we already seen Canada pull out of the Spangler Cup. I'm supposed to be going to the World Juniors. Mark Spector today says Canada's pre-tournament game is supposed to, is supposed to change from Wednesday to Thursday against the Russians. Yet the, the crowd number, the attendance, just wait and see. Just wait and see. The event starts in five days, bro. Can people go or not? At least Ontario, with their stupid rules, said, yeah, nobody can come. Come back, you know, in their communist regime up there. Yeah, no, we're closing the bo- – you can't come anywhere near us. Ontario, you can't have a glass of water at a sporting event because you're going to spread malaria to everybody and their cousin. Uh, everybody's sick of it, and I get that. Everybody is. It's not just me. It's not just you. But when you have a platform to bitch, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's cathartic for me, and you might get sick of it. And I understand that, and I apologize because it's just a lot. You know, I, I get that. It's it, it's just it's COVID's just, it's a web of bullshit, and I'm not saying I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not saying I'm not well, I'm not Tucker Carlson but it's a web of just never ending bullshit where you got to jump through this hoop and this hoop to get to this hoop. And we don't know. And I don't, I wouldn't want to be a government official right now. So I can't say I can't crush them too much, but I can a little bit. And uh, I'll keep you guys up to date if I'm going to Alberta, because, um, so right now I feel about, 30% 30% confident that I, that I'm going, it's going down every day. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you want a podcast, this might be good content because I will be completely out of my mind and I'll do a live one. If this happens in my hotel room, if somehow they don't let us know what the attendance is going to be, I fly out the 26th with my good buddy Soar he Was on the podcast last week. I'm only going because of him. He invited me. So thank you to him. But if we get out there, we're there, we're, we're ready. We're getting ready to go. And then we hear, Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's a, it's only half capacity. You didn't make the cut. That would be the most livid podcast you'd ever heard from me. I think I'd have to go like, cause I think it would be fun content. I don't really, I, I like to add a swear here and there to a podcast because I think it's authentic. I swear in my real life, uh, I'd say frequently, but I'd say often enough, there'd be a few curse words. There'd be more spit and chicklets than to the point. That's for sure. But, um, you know, speaking of the world juniors, it's going to happen. The world juniors are going to, are going to be a go. I'd be shocked if it wasn't every country is over here now. I think it's just about attendance at this point. So I, I do feel confident in saying that there's going to be, there's going to be a, a tournament. So I do feel good about that. Obviously like I just mentioned Canada withdrew from the Spangler cup. Which ups, which is upsetting to me because I'm a person that loves the Spengler Cup. I'm I, you know I I'm still gonna watch it with with the teams, but you know Canada is so well over the you know, guys that can't play at the Olympics can't make the NHL go over there, and it's a, it's a really special environment. Um, so I, I'm happy to to see you know just I'm I'm upset that they're not going, and I hope they can get back next season. Um, but. Uh, The uh, World Juniors just announced, breaking news here, Team Canada is named defenseman Caden Gooley, captain for the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championships, with for Jake Neighbors and Cole Perfetti serving as alternates. Not a big surprise, Caden Gooley is one of the few returnees on this team, first-round pick in the Montreal Canadiens, big, strong player. Uh, He's going to play a big role on this team, and uh, just some information here, he's been practicing alongside Luka Corme of New Brunswick. So it looks like Luca could be playing a big role in this tournament as well, but he's going to be, if they're going to win the gold medal, Caden Gooley and Owen Power on the back end are going to be the reason why. You look at Perfetti on offense. He was been playing for the Manitoba Moose in the AHL all season. He's a guy that needs to start. He had an okay tournament last year. It needs to be a big tournament for him. Jake Neighbors uh, has played fantastic this year. In his own right, you also have guys like Ken Johnson from Michigan, who just arrived at uh, at the uh, at the event. Obviously, Owen Power. I'm excited to see him. Last year's first rounder. You got Shane Wright, who's projected to go first round this year, and then you got the 16 year old and Berard, uh, Bedard, Sorry, Brian uh, Brian Berard's son Brett is actually going to be playing for the Americans, the former uh, Montreal Canadian, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, New York Islander So. Um, but yeah, good, good selection by Canada. No surprise here. You know, he's, he's definitely the leader of the group. He, you know, he's been there before he's done all that. Um, so good to see for, for, uh, team Canada to make that announcement right now. Also some breaking, also some breaking news here. Uh, not a huge surprise, but New York giants have shut down quarterback Daniel Jones for the remainder of the season because of his neck injury. He hasn't played in a number of weeks. Um, and Mike Glennon has been the starting quarterback for the Giants, and the the New York Giants are really a pathetic football team. Um, they have no offensive identity. They fired they fired Jason Garrett. They're still terrible. They can't run the football effectively. They their wide receivers are pedestrian. You know, Darius Slayton, uh, Sterling shepard has been injured all year. Kenny Galladay's been inconsistent, and. I look at this team, they're going to go through a major, complete overhaul. To me, Daniel Jones is not going to be back as the Giants quarterback. I think he's played his last game as a Giant. I don't think they're going to pick up his option. He'll be a free agent, and they're going to have to chew on the fact that they drafted him sixth overall, and it didn't work out. I expect Dave Gettleman to be fired, and if you're bringing in a new GM – I don't know why the hell you'd want Joe Judge as your head coach. I don't know what he's shown so far to prove that he is a, is a head coach for that matter. But I don't, you know, if you're gonna fire one you might as well fire the other. Cause Joe Judge, uh, again, he's done nothing for me. He thinks he's Bill Belichick and he's won nothing in this league. So I would move on from Joe Judge as well. But he'll be gone. I expect Saquon Barkley to be gone from this team. And he's always injured. I think he'll want a fresh start, but it just, it's never worked out. It took him second overall and it's been a disaster. Always injured. I, I never liked his style. He's a home run back where he'll get a 67 yard run on one run. And then the rest of the game, he'll have 10 carries for 20 yards. He's just not a guy that's consistent, you know, down for down back. That's going to give you productivity every single time. But you know, the just speaking of the giants this week on the podcast, I'm going to be playing a little game and that game is going to be set or reset. And what, basically I'm going to go through the teams in the NFL and talk about if they are set at quarterback moving forward, or if they need a complete overhaul, if they need a reset at that position and I'll also dive into the, you know, how they're approaching that team. So the giants, you know, I just touched on them, but there's a lot of teams that I'm going to go through where they're going to, you're going to say holy crap they're not set it they're not set with this guy at quarterback are they and we'll go through that you know we'll go through it with the teams like this we'll go through every team obviously you got your easy ones with the Bucks, but you have a team like the Packers who could win the Super Bowl are they set at quarterback well I'm sure they'd love to have Aaron Rodgers back but is he does he want to return to the Green Bay Packers that's still up in the air that's still not determined so we, you know, there's a lot to dive into there, a lot to be discussed. So um, that, that that's going to happen this week, and obviously we'll talk about uh, you know, the year in review. We'll talk about some different things this week as we head into head into Christmas. Um, NHL games that are happening, we'll talk about. I'll be talking with Sheamus this week. We'll pre- uh, Ben Murray will be on later in the week. We'll preview Week 16 in the NFL. It's kicks off Thursday with the Titans and 49ers so that should be fun. Um, but yeah, you know lot some college bowl games this weekend. Um, we uh, watched some football, a lot of football on, a lot of football and college basketball on Saturday. Uh, hung out with Matt Wright who's a frequent uh, guest on the podcast. It, again college college basketball on a Saturday I loved it Watched some BYU football. you know bowl season is upon us. you got Old Dominion and Tulsa today. After this podcast, plan to throw that on for a while. And that's just the way it is. But this week, look at the sports calendar. You got two football games tomorrow and two college football bowl games. Only three NHL games, a few scheduled NBA games at this point. But who knows if they'll stick by then. You have a bowl game Wednesday, Missouri Army. Uh, You got two bowl games on Thursday. You have one on Christmas Eve, which I've been stoked about, as I like to talk about. And, but we'll, we'll, the sports world in state of flux, there's no cross, you know, cr- cross country games until the new year when it comes to the NHL, uh, you know, no, so no Canadian team is playing a game this week. So ratings on Sportsnet TSN will be taking a major, major dive and they got to hope that the world juniors can start up so they can put some content on their networks. But Tonight, we got Browns against the Raiders. We got Vikings, Bears in the, uh, in the game of the mothership following. And we'll, we'll, talk, we'll touch on those games tomorrow. We'll touch on any other news in the sports world. We'll also preview Rams, Seahawks, and Eagles, uh, Washington football team. We'll talk about different COVID updates, if Kyle Allen is going to be available, if Taylor Heineke is off the COVID list. So we'll give you some uh, game and some player updates before kickoff tomorrow night. So we'll be back tomorrow. I'll be podcasting with Seamus tomorrow night as well about the uh, uh, third and fourth last episodes of Breaking Bad. But as always, thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, uh, Great chat today. Um, Have a great night, everybody, and we'll talk soon.